Hey guys, my name is Alan Peacock, pastor of the Awakening Church. We're located in Smithfield, North Carolina on Bookadary Road, right across from Triple S High School and the Aquatic Center. And I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you so much for visiting our site today. Let's get into God's Word today. We're starting a brand new series entitled, Now What? Now What? And we're going to be taking the next several weeks and we're going to be talking about the will of God for our lives. Because actually, if you think about it, that can be a topic that sometimes is a little bit frustrating, a little bit discouraging when you're walking out this thing called life and you're wanting to know answers for certain things, but you don't know those answers answers. And again, it it could be frustrating because I mean, it's not like Dora. Come on. How many of you remember Dora the Explorer? Any, any parents? And I mean, it's not like Dora, uh, you know, when Dora needed a little bit of help, uh, when I was growing up, it was Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Come on. How many of you remember that? Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And so when Mickey Mouse and his gang got in some trouble, they would actually say, what? Oh, Toodles, and you know, and that little that little head that looked like a clock, looked like Mickey Mouse would come out and everything. But in Dora, and Dora, whenever her and Boots, which is her sidekick, the monkey, you know, whenever they need a little help, what would they say? Map, you know, and so they they would like, what do we do? What do we do? I know, we can call for the map. If there's a place you gotta go, I'm the one you need to know. I'm the map. I'm the map, I'm the map. If there's a place you gotta get, I can get you there, I bet. I'm the map. Okay, that's enough, I can't say I'm the map, I'm the map. (laughs) Thankfully, our kids graduated from that show pretty quick, amen? So, but it's funny, you know, you got like Dora the Explorer, and then you got like Diego, who is another version of Dora, and then you got Kylan, who is like another version of Dora, and so they just kept, you know, marketing was awesome. But anyway, um, so, uh, I mean, think about that theme song. You know, it says, you know, there's a place you got to go, there's one you need to know, I'm the map. But I mean, think about that. In life, do we really have that? Uh, I mean, wouldn't it be nice to know that every time you got in a situation and you really didn't know what to do, like what job do I take? Which direction do I go in? Who do I marry? Wouldn't it be awesome to just say, I know I could just say the map and, and immediately I would know what job to take, what direction to go, what, you know, what proposal to accept and all of this good stuff. But unfortunately, we don't have a map. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. Well, Pastor, wait a minute. Now, we, we've got the Bible, and the Bible is our map, and the Bible has its own theme song, you know, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me, and, and, and that's our map. And, and I understand that, but, but what I found in following Jesus is that there's some stuff that there's no chapter and verse for. There's some stuff that we go through in life. So, so like the Bible will tell you, don't cuss out your boss when he or she's getting on your nerves. The Bible will tell you that. But where's the chapter and verse that says, hey, I'm going to give you a promotion and it's going to be a great amount of money. I just need you to move across country. What do you do when that comes? What do you do in that situation? So what I found is that, you know, oftentimes following God, that there's, 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 there's always that faith element that's involved. 
There's always that element of faith. And so it's like, the Bible tells me what kind of person I need to marry. The Bible tells me what, what to look for in a spouse, but the Bible doesn't tell me which proposal to accept. So what I've discovered sometimes is that it's not all black and white. Sometimes there's more than one good choice. And sometimes when it comes to knowing the will of God for my life, sometimes it could be just a little bit confusing at times. And so we also know that, but however, that God does have a plan for our lives. I mean, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, great scripture to put to memory. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, God says, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. But, but here's the thing, God has those plans, but he doesn't always share the map with us. And we understand why, right? Because God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. And so we understand all of that. And so we just got to trust him. And so oftentimes in life, we're wanting to see the map. We're wanting to see the big picture. But oftentimes God will say, I just need you to trust me with one step. Can you trust me with one step? And God will oftentimes lead us into his will one step at a time. But rarely does he present to you the map. And so what I want to do over the next few weeks, and really what I want to do today is just, I just want to till up some ground today. I want to dig a footing. I want to lay a foundation. And I just want to get to the basics today. And then next week, we'll really get into some good stuff. But I want to look at today what God has revealed to us in His Word. And it's found in Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and seven, and really, if you wanted to describe these two verses of Scripture, you could describe them as, you're saved, now what? You're saved, now what? And again, I just want to look at today, what is God's will for every single Christian all of the time? Okay, we're going to get to some basic stuff today. So let's look at what the Scripture says. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And so again, here the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church of Colossae and this is a church that he really has a vested interest in because these uh, individuals are almost like his spiritual grandchildren. Uh, because Paul led a guy by the name of Epaphras to the Lord, and Epaphras actually planted this church and started this church, but it was the Apostle Paul who was kind of the original uh, uh, um, person for that. And so again, these are like Paul's grandchildren in the faith, and so Paul is wanting them to know God's will. He's helping them to figure out what is God's will for their life, and how do I know that? Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. Here's what Paul prayed for them. He said, for this reason, we also, since the day we have heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So Paul, hey, you've got a chance to pray for this church. What are you going to pray for them? I'm going to pray that they would tap into God's will. I'm going to pray that they would know what God's will is for their life. And, and he knew that this was possible because the Apostle Paul actually was walking in God's will. And because of that, he wanted to encourage everybody, hey, you can know God's will. You can walk in God's will. And the reason for that is because Colossians chapter 1 verse 1 Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by what? By the will of God and Timothy, our brother. 
Paul would also go on to say, as it related to the will of God, I am who I am by the will of God. And so since Paul knew God's will and walked in it, he longed for everyone to know God's will and to receive the calling and the purpose that God had in their lives. And so this was the reason that Paul was writing this letter. He wasn't just praying for them, but he wrote the book of Colossians as really an answer to his own prayer. And so they're wanting to know God's will. And I think one of the most amazing things that that people are after today is purpose. I get asked that more than anything. What is God's purpose for my life? Pastor, hey, pray for me. I want to know God's purpose. Let me give you this in a nutshell. This is not in your notes. This is for free. Write this down. Your passion is your purpose. If you want to know your purpose, your passion is your purpose. So oftentimes God will put something on your heart and you'll long for it to happen and you'll begin to pray for it and God's looking down from heaven and he's like, okay, yes, go for it. That's it. And so oftentimes God will quicken us to the reality of a need and then he will use us as instruments to meet that need. And so that's how God works. And so the book of Colossians is a book where these guys are going to understand the will of God for their life. And what's interesting about this is the way that the Apostle Paul goes about enlightening them to the will of God. He's not answering specific questions, but he is exalting a specific person, which is Jesus Christ. And so the book of Colossians, like no other book in the Bible, lifts up, exalts, glorifies the name of Jesus Christ in creation, in crucifixion, in resurrection, in the church. So if you want to know God's will for your life, look no further than Jesus Christ. Because God's will for your life is all about Jesus. It's all in Him, always Him, all the time. It is never not about Him. It is about Jesus. So if you want to know God's will, you've got to talk to Jesus. Why? Because Colossians chapter 2 verse 3, it says, In Christ are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so essentially, when, when we're wanting to know God's will, what are we wanting to know? We're wanting to know wisdom. We're wanting to know knowledge. So it makes sense that we would go to the one who has all wisdom, all knowledge, all treasures inside of him. We've got to go to the source, go to the right place. We are to look no further than Jesus Christ. And so I guess you can kind of say that if you want to know God's will for your life, walk with him. Walk with him, talk with him, do life with him. Because walking with Jesus is the center of your calling. It's all about him. And listen, if you're not doing that, if you're not walking with Jesus Christ, and I want you to hear my heart today, you are not in God's will no matter what else you do. You're not in God's will no matter what else you do. So what is always God's will for our life? Well, again, it's that we would grow in Christ. Grow in Christ. And so again, uh, you know, I want to just give you kind of the things that God has revealed before we talk about things that God has concealed. So there's a lot of questions that you're going to run up against. There's a lot of things that you go, well, which way do I go? What do I do? We're going to get into all of that. But um, before you get into the concealed part, you've got to get into the revealed part. And the revealed part is if you want to know God's will, what is his will for all Christians all of the time? It's Jesus. That you would come to know him, that you would walk with him. 
That's why verse 6 says that as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk with him. And people are asking, well, you know what? I've received Jesus. Now what? Okay, walk with him. Do life with him. Talk with him. Yeah, yeah, I got all that, Pastor, but, but, but after that, no, no, more of the same. Yeah, I got all that. I mean, I don't want yeah, to know the deep stuff. Where's the deep stuff? No, you don't understand. You don't understand. Jesus is not something that you graduate from onto something else. Jesus is not the appetizer. He is the main course. It's all about him. He is your purpose in life. To know him is to know life eternal. So how do I grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ? I want to give you five G's today. Come on, five G's. Five G's today. These are going to be some parameters. We're going to talk a little bit more about them next week. But let me just give you five G's on how to grow closer to Jesus Christ. Because again, we're looking at what God has revealed to us when it comes to knowing his will. There's things that you can look into the scripture. And this is what God says, hey, this is absolutely my will for your life. We've got to talk about the revealed before we talk about the concealed. So here's the first G. Number one, grow in grace. Grow in grace. Why? Because verse 6, he says, as you have received the Lord, so walk in him. How do we walk in him? The same way we received him. How did you receive the Lord Jesus? Well, you know, God looked down from heaven and said, Alan, you're doing a pretty good job. Here's a star. And if I get enough stars, I'll make it to heaven one day. Is that how you know him? No, that's not how you know him. But unfortunately, that's how many people think it works. But that's not how this thing called salvation and walking with him works. Why? Because Ephesians tells me that salvation is an issue of grace. What's grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Something that you didn't earn. It's just something God gave us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is what? The gift of God. Salvation is a gift that you did not earn. Salvation is all about grace. And so he says we are to walk with Jesus the same way we receive Jesus. How did we receive Jesus? Entirely by grace. Sorry, Boy Scout, no merit bash for you here. It's all Jesus, all his righteousness, all his death on the cross, all his resurrection that was transferred to our account. And what did you and I do to receive it? I believe. I believe. He didn't do anything. This is a gift. This is something God gave to us. And so salvation is all about grace. And we're told that walking with him is to function in the same way that we received him. So that tells me that I need to be dependent upon him in order to walk with him, to have a relationship with him. But if you think about it, that's kind of the exact opposite of how oftentimes we treat the Christian life. We tend to struggle through this thing on our own as if salvation is a get out of hell free card. But it's more than that. It's more than, than, than God looking at you saying, all right, I started you out at square one. Now don't you mess up anymore. If you mess up, I'm not going to help you anymore. How many of you understand that's not how God works? And so oftentimes we think that we're expected to just struggle along and make it on our own. But if we receive Jesus that way, none of us would make it into heaven. None of us. 
Why? Because it's only by grace that we received him. And so he said, walk with him the same way you received him. So here's what you need to know. We need God just as much to walk with him as we did when we received him. It's a matter of you and I waking up every single day saying, Father, I need you. Father, I need you today. I need your help today. I'm going to run up against some tripolar folks in this old world, and I need you. Because, Lord, I'm about to break somebody in half. I need you. You need him, and you receive him. Why? By grace. You know, Jesus talked about this in John chapter 15, verse 5, when he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, what? You can do what? Nothing. So check this out. He said, just like a branch can bear no fruit unless it's connected to the vine, so are you and I. You know, yesterday on the fishing trip, we, we saw a, a, a small grapevine, and then across the pond there, there was a huge grapevine, and we just got to starting this conversation about grapevines. And I know at my mom's house, she has a nice grapevine, and, and it's interesting because that thing will always start out with the vine. And then all of that vine grows little branches, and then it grows a leaf, and then it produces fruit, which is the grape. And so that's how it produces, as long as it is connected to the vine. But if you snatch that branch off, it's producing no fruit at all. Why? Because all that branch is is a hollow tube by itself. So are you and I. We are a hollow tube. We are, uh, we are like conduit. We're like PVC pipe. And unless we're connected to the vine, then there's no power that can flow through us. But when we're connected to God's vine, when we're abiding in Christ, when we're trusting in him, constantly relying upon him, then great things can happen in and through us. When we're connected with Jesus, love flows through us. Grace flows through us. Forgiveness flows through us. Power flows through us. But if you snap yourself off from the vine. Good luck with that. No fruit for you. So you've got to stay connected to the vine so that God can flow through us. Listen, the Bible says, I have not seen nor ears heard the things that God wants to do in us. And so don't snap yourself off. Rely on him. Grow in grace. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 18 says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's only by grace that we're able to stand in this world that's full of trouble and turmoil and and storms. It is only by grace that we're able to withstand this. And so he's actually saying here that growth and fruit production, being steadfast, unmovable in difficult times, that's something you receive, not something you earn. You receive that. And maybe the reason why you feel like you don't know God's will is because you're not relying upon the grace of God. Again, waking up every day, God, I need you. I'm depending on you entirely to walk with me today. So that's the first G. The second G is this, grow in a grove. Grow in a grove. What does that mean? God's will for our life is that we would grow in a grove. Notice verse 6. It says that we are to walk with him. And then it uses the word rooted. Rooted. Rooted simply means that you've got good roots that have gone down into the soil and taken hold of something. And so he's saying that we are to be like a tree. We are to have good roots that's going down into the soil, that's taking hold, that's drinking. That's what helps us hydrated and stay nourished in the difficult times of life. The Bible teaches us in Psalms 92 verse 12. It says the righteous shall flourish like what? A palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. 
And you all know that a tree is only as good as its roots. And so this is why David said in Psalms chapter 1, verse 3 to 6, he's speaking of the righteous here. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall, shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now if I were to ask you today, what do you want your life to be like? You know, would you like to be like a tumbleweed that just kind of rolls around here and there and just really is, becomes a nuisance? I mean, listen, none of us want our lives to be like that. We don't want to just blow around and then just end up getting burned in the fire. None of us want that. We don't want that for our lives. We want to be like a tree. We want to be strong. We want to be a blessing. We want to help people. We want to be healthy. We want to be like a tree. So how can we be like a tree and not a tumbleweed? It all revolves around one word, location. Location. The tree has been planted in a good place. That tree has put its roots down in a good place. So location is the deciding difference between something that is fresh and growing and something that's just tumbling around in life. Location. So that tells me if I hang out with the wrong people, I'm going to go the wrong way. And so David said those that dwell in a place, they're planted in a place where God's word is going forth, where where his love is going forth, then that is a place that we can become all that God wants us to be. And so that is to say that there's no more life-impacting decisions than who we choose to do life with. That's so important in that. In other words, show me your friends and I'll show you my future. Notice I said mine. So let me, tr- let, me, let me twist that on you a little bit. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I tell my kids that all the time. I said, man, watch who you hang out with because I can see it. I see it in them all of the time. They'll come home and they're acting a little different or there may be weeks or months in there and I'm noticing a change in their attitude. And I immediately look at them and say, hey, tell me who you're hanging out with. Because something's different about you. Oh, well, I got got hooked up with so-and-so. His name is Chili Bean. Oh, okay. Well, tell me a little bit about Chili Bean. Does he go to church? No. Who does he hang out with? Well, he's hanging out with cornbread. I said, look, brother, Chili Bean and cornbread are not for you to be hanging out with. You need to get you some new friends. Ain't no racehorse in that one. Amen? I used to tell Samantha all the time, I said, baby, look, uh, you know, who are you talking to now? And she'd tell me, you know, this boy or whatever. And she's never been one to really date a whole lot because I give them such a hard time. And, um, you know, she brought one boy over one time and I looked at him and when he left, I told her, I said, baby, he ain't for you. She said, well, what do you mean? I said, ain't no racehorse in that one, baby. Move on. She said, well, you're a pastor. I said, exactly, which is why God give me insight. Move on. So show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Come on, are you with me? So when you're planted, it's going to make such a difference in your life, the location of your life, where you are. You know, I did some research on trees and the biggest tree is called the redwood trees. These trees grow to be over 300 foot tall. But what's so amazing, and they always grow in a grove. They're always growing together, but... What is so amazing about the redwood tree is that their roots are really, really shallow. 
But what makes this the biggest tree and also the strongest tree is their roots not just, they don't go down deep in the ground, but they go wide. And so what happens is as their roots are growing wide, they're entangling with the other redwood tree roots. And so you understand that there's strength in numbers. And spiritually speaking, God knows the same is true for you and me. Strength comes through unity. Weakness comes through division. There's no hydration, no protection that is ever found in isolation, which is why we need community, which is why Jesus did not just die on the cross to bring us into a relationship with him, but to bring us into a relationship with each other so that our roots could be intermingled, so that we can hold on to one another in this thing called church in a grove so that when I bend a little bit, I'm connected to you and you can help pull me back up when you bend a little bit, we're all connected to you, so we're going to pull you back up, and that's the way God intended us to do life, so you got to look at somebody and say, let's get entangled, amen? And if you're single, you might have just found somebody. <laughs> Hear me today. If you want to get into a groove, you've got to get into a grove. If you want to get into a groove, a healthy groove in your life, you have got to get into a grove. It's not God's will for you to be an island. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, Do not neglect to meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day dawning near. David said in Psalms chapter 27 verse 4, he said, one thing I've desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David said, I want to be a tree. I want to be planted in the right place. I want to have my roots down in a place where the water of God's word is going out. I want to be planted in a place where the trees around me have my back. I don't want to just be in and out. I want to be known. I want to have relationships. I want to have fellowship. I want to be planted in God's house, not just popping around like a tumbleweed. So many Christians today, they over here a little bit and they're over there a little bit and up here a little bit and down there a little bit. Well, Pastor, I just divide my passion. I divide my passion. I'm not really known anywhere. I'm not really held accountable to anybody. I'm not under any leadership. I don't really have a covering anywhere. I want you to hear me today. I want you to lean in. Potted plants can never be powerful. Potted plants can never be powerful. Why? Because they get kicked over. They get blown over all of the time. I've got to be in a fellowship. I've got to be in a root system. I've got to be in a network in the body of Christ somewhere so that when I'm feeling a little bad one day and I've been wind blown a little bit, I've got a grove around me of people around me that can pick me up and lift me up and dust me off and say, man, God's got you. I've got you. I'm with you. You're not by yourself. You can't have that unless you're in a grove, yo. Turn to somebody and said, you got to get in a grove before you get your groove on. Amen. Man, I like this message. Let me give you the third G real quick today. Third G. Grow in godliness. Grow in godliness. Colossians chapter 2 verse 7. Not, watch what it says here. It says, we are to be built up in him 
and established in the faith. That's God's will for our lives. So it's amazing that Paul is actually shifting gears here a little bit. He goes from the analogy of a tree to now he's talking about a building. And he's saying that we are to be built up floor after floor after floor. God's desire is that we would never stop growing. How do I know that? Ephesians chapter four, verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're never to stop growing, never to stop thriving. We are to be building up another floor, another level, another floor, another level until we resemble perfectly Jesus Christ. The problem is after you've been walking with Christ for a little while, the brighter that light gets in your life, the more filth you see on you. And so if our goal is to become more like Jesus every single day, that means we've got to get better and better at resisting temptation. Why? Because temptation is going to come. We experience that all of the time. But God's will is that we flee from temptation. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So we must resist temptation. Why? Because if you're building a building and the next floor you're trying to build, you start off a little crooked with that, then how many of you know what happens over time is your building is going to get out of shape. And that could be a catastrophe because eventually the whole house and the building will collapse. And crookedness here is sin. And so God is saying, hey, I want you to go this way, but crookedness is you and I saying, I'm going to go that way. So it's a perversion. It's a distortion of what God has called us to do. So if you're building a building crooked, you are going to collapse, which is why purity is so important. Listen, God's will for your life and for my life is that we would be pure. I'm not going to talk to you about what college you need to go to. I'm not going to talk about the toothpaste you use. I'm not going to talk about your clothes, your shoes. Here's what I want to talk to you about. Purity is God's will for your life. Are you sexually pure? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Guys, let's just do what God's told us to do. That's what we're called to do. Yeah, but... I need to know what job to take. I need to know who to marry. I need to know what direction to go. I need to know what to do in this. Yeah, but you're sleeping with somebody that's not your spouse. There's a glaring issue that you're, you're, you're just kind of bypassing, which is God's will for your life. So how can you know God's will? Jesus said, blessed are they that are pure in heart, for they shall see God. God's will is that we grow in godliness. Turn to somebody and say, let your building be straight. Let your building be straight. Let me move on to the fourth G because I see a little. Some of y'all, I can always tell, man, because y'all, yes! I see it, man. You ought to be up here with me just one Sunday. Are you ready for the fourth G? It's not going to get any better. Turn to somebody and say, this class is going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Here's the fourth G. We got to grow in godliness. 
We got to grow in a grove, grow in grace, but number four, we've got to grow in giving. Grow in giving. How do we become more like God? We get better and better at giving. Why? Because God himself is a giver. Well, God just wants too much from me. Really? God gave you everything. Like what? Life? Breath? Hello? God is the giver of gifts. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave. What did he give? He gave his very best, his only son, Jesus. Jesus is a giver as well. Why? Because he left heaven and was willing to come to earth on a rescue mission to save you and I. He's a giver. The Bible says that we're called to follow in his footsteps, to be like Christ. So what did Christ tell us? Well, Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he said, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. This is something Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's God's will for every single believer that we should sacrificially and generously live giving lifestyles. Why? So that we can share the love of Jesus Christ in places that do not know him. And how do we do that? The Bible mentions a few things. Number one is tithing. Always get in trouble preaching on that one. Tithing is what? Tithing is a tenth. And there's a lot of people that may not understand what that is. I mean, really, tithing is a tenth. Tithing is just simply you honoring God with your first 10% of your income, your increase. You're honoring him. You're, you're, you're giving it to God. You're bringing it to the house of God. So, so, so let's just kind of put this in practical terms. If, if you are a babysitter and you make $40 in a week's time, then you're going to take $4 and you're going to bring it into the house of God and you're going to honor God by giving that to him. And listen, it's not just any 10%. It's the first 10%. It's not that you just go and pay all your bills and do whatever you want to do and, well, if I had any left over, I'll give it to him. Because listen, if you do that, you're honoring everybody else first before you're honoring God. And so we want to honor God first. Why? Because he gave me everything. It's all his anyway. So it is in him I live, I move, I have my being, I have my breath. God, it is you. I'm returning what's yours to your house. In the Old Testament, it was the temple. In the New Testament, it is the church. Why do we tithe? Why do we do that? Well, the Bible says, so there may be food in my house. Maybe food in my house. We give so that those that are hungry for the bread of life can eat. Those that are thirsty for living water can drink. That's why we do it. But it doesn't just stop at a tithe. It, it goes on to an offering. It's bringing an offering. And an offering is where we get to take our giving to the next level and choose who we're going to bless and what we're going to give it to. And then above that is, is living with spontaneous, radical generosity. And again, this is God's will that we grow in giving. If your giving is the same next year as it is this year, you're not really growing in that. The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. He says, hey, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love for us, what does he say? I want you to excel also in this, what? The gracious act of of giving. So the fourth G is that we grow in giving, but then here's the fifth G. The last one is we grow in gratitude. We grow in gratitude. Again, Colossians chapter 2 verse 7, 
abounding in it with thanksgiving, rooted, built up, established in the faith as you have been taught and abound in it with thanksgiving. What's God's will for my life? Repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Well, I want to know the deep stuff. I want to know, no, 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 no. Repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus. That's God's will for your life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. In everything give thanks, for this is what? The will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's God's will for our life, that we grow. Put the five Gs back up, Miss Jenny. That we grow. Here's the areas. You want to know all about the concealed? Who do I marry? And, you know, what, about, what do I eat for lunch today? You know, is it God's will? Man, I've got like four, four ladies. Which one do I pick? Come back next week. We'll talk about all of that. But you've got to know the revealed before you can know the concealed. If you don't have the revealed right, you're never going to know the concealed. This is what God has revealed to us that is always His will for Christians. We grow in the five G's. Grace, a grove, godliness, giving, and gratitude. It's the five G's. This is what God has called us to do. We could talk about all these other things, and we are. We're going to talk about you know, Mother's Day is in the next uh, couple weeks or so. And man, we're going to honor all of our ladies, all of our moms. But, you know, hey, what, what about a mom? You're sitting there and you're like, okay, I've, I've had the kids. I'm raising the kids. Now what? Now what? What do I do now? You know, you, a lot of our moms, you're sitting there and you're like, God, show me your will. Not now, Billy. Go on. God, who do I minister to? Where, where do I need to? Show me the mission field. Sally, if you don't leave me alone, I'm praying to Jesus. That's your mission field, honey. It's your kids. And some of you are laughing because you've been doing it. I know. I know you. <laughs> See there? I told you. God's will for my life all of the time is centered around Jesus Christ. If my life is not centered around Him, if I'm not walking with Him, then guys, I love you, but hear my heart, you are out of the will of God. His will is only found in Jesus. Stand with me all over the house.